Well, good morning. I feel a little bit like that video, uh, not much voice at the beginning. Uh, so I, I don't know, I've struggled uh, over the last couple of weeks with the, a bug, and uh, so I hope that I'm able to project a little bit. My name is Randy. It's good to have you with us today uh, on this beautiful day of spring. Maybe spring is finally upon us, uh, some sunshine, and uh, we can enjoy that. But I'm glad you've joined us today. Uh, we're in a study we've been in for a, a few weeks now called Like Jesus, and as we try to emphasize throughout this, we don't want to just like Jesus. What is there not to like about him? Uh, we want to love Jesus, but we want to be like Jesus as well. And uh, we're glad that you're joining us today. Uh, like Jake said, we've got some folks who are on Facebook Live, so we'll just welcome them as well. Uh, I got a chance last week to watch at home because I was sick and couldn't get out. And it's pretty cool uh, to see you guys worshiping and feel like I was a part of that. I don't want you to replace your time here with that, but if you are ill, are traveling, uh, we want to encourage you to be engaged in that way as well. But we're in this series, and we've been talking about the fact that we want to be like Jesus, specifically in the fact that, G and do the things that Jesus did. And there were two things that Jesus did. He did the will of God, which was salvation, and then he did the work of God, which was preparing people to go forth and tell other people about him. See, that is really the only way that the church continues to grow and to survive through the years and generations when people become disciples, and they in turn go and make disciples as well. And we talked about how that, that is so natural uh, in one way in parenting, that parenting is a whole process of making disciples, that we get maybe 18 years to invest in our children, and then they become adults, and we send them out, hopefully with a strong faith that will take them into the world, and they in turn will continue that in the next generation. But we also talked about the fact that God's called us to invest in and so one of the challenges that we have in our church constantly is how do we invest in people to make disciples of them as well? How to encourage them, to raise them up so that we create generations upon generations of disciple makers. And so we're looking for a few weeks now at the seven habits of effective disciple makers. Seven habits. And the first week we looked at the one, uh, the first one was reveal, that Jesus revealed the Father to his disciples. You know, parents, we are constantly revealing God to our children. Our kids see God in us, first of all, and people see Jesus. They see Christ in us. They may be their first experience with him. The second week, we talked about speaking. Last week, Tony talked about Jesus shared or spoke what he was learning and what he knew about the Father, which is a part of our sharing with other people. But today, we're going to talk about the third habit of effective disciple-making, which is all about prayer all about prayer. And we're in John chapter 17. We're getting our study here from the first few verses of that chapter. <coughs> and Jesus said, I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. You know, Jesus' ministry began and ended with prayer. For example, when he began his ministry, he went into the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, and he prayed. He spent time alone with God, seeking God's will, God's direction, and then he was prepared for temptations. But his ministry began with prayer. And the last words of Jesus on the cross, if you recall them just a few weeks ago, when Jesus was about to die, he said, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. It was a prayer of submission to his heavenly Father. So prayer was important to Jesus, and it should be no surprise to us then that Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer and a lot of time in prayer for his disciples. And let me just tell you, that was no small task when you think about it. Because you look at the kind of guys he chose, people a lot like you and I, but people who were not necessarily spiritual, a lot of um, 
guys who were pretty controversial, pretty you know, rough fishermen, tax collectors, folks like that. But to impress men like that, to change them, and to grow this group of uneducated guys into a team of fully devoted disciples that at some point he could then can the work over to. Can you imagine that, you know, that you have come to do the most important work in the world and that you're capable and you're doing that, but then at some point you know you're going to leave and you're going to pass it off to somebody else. You're going to hand it off. Because I don't know about you, but I oftentimes feel a, a real sense of burden about us passing on to the next generation? Are we creating children and young people and more disciples that in turn we can pass it off to them so that they'll be able to carry it on because the kingdom only survives as each generation continues to grow and invest? And the reality is that they needed a lot of prayer. Those disciples did. And the reality is that all of us need prayer today as well. And there must have been times when Jesus grew frustrated at his disciples we know there are. There are times in the Bible we, we, we see his frustration. But when he did that when, that, when that happened, he prayed for them. When they were lazy and distracted and disobedient and jealous and quarreling among themselves, when they just weren't getting it, Jesus prayed for them. And as he prayed for them, God began to work in their lives. In fact, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus set an example for us that we should walk as Jesus walked. In other words, do as Jesus did. So we need to learn how to pray for those that we are discipling as well. Pray for one another. Do you notice here in Jesus' prayer, we read just a few moments ago, that the number one thing would, they, they would be that they would belong to the Father. Jesus said, I pray for them, Lord, that they are yours. Jesus here is praying for those who are followers of himself. In fact, he clearly says, I'm not praying for those of the world but I'm praying for those who belong to me. Let me just say this. I think it's important for us to pray for lost people. It certainly is. We need to be praying for people who don't know the Lord, but we also equally ought to be praying for people who do, those who belong to Christ, that they might be encouraged. So here's an encouragement to you. If you are a Christian, Jesus in this prayer is, by, uh, is, is incorporating you as well. He's praying for you in this prayer that they belong to the Father and they've been given to Christ. And he says, I'm praying for you. And if people are not in that group, if you're not yet a Christian, then we as Christians need to be praying for that person to come to Christ. That's so important. And you know what this is called? This is called intercessory prayer. Intercessory prayer. And that's not a word that we use very often, but the word intercede means to intervene or step in for another person. <coughs> it means to step in. Thank you, sir. Thanks, buddy. It means to step in or intervene for another person. So intercessory prayer is to pray on behalf of someone. You know, I've noticed two extremes when it comes to prayer. There are some people who do not pray for themselves. I know that may seem strange, but every now and then I run up on someone and they'll say, will you pray for me? And I say, I certainly will. Have you been praying about this? And they'll say, no, I think it's selfish to pray for myself. But let me tell you, even Jesus prayed for himself. Jesus prayed that the Father would give him strength, that he would exempt him from suffering, that he would, you know, would, would find courage. He prayed for himself. So we need to pray for ourselves as well. Take our prayers, our petition to God, including our needs and our desires. But the other extreme I find is that many people do not pray for others. They pray only for themselves. It's really easy to be a selfish prayer when all of our prayers are for my wants and my needs and my desires. We can really be selfish in that. 
But understand that we are to pray both for ourselves and for others because our prayers literally can transform the lives of other people. In fact, there is nothing greater that we can do for another person than to pray for them. You ever thought about that? You want to help somebody? The best thing you can do is pray for them. Sure, do what you can personally, but pray for that person. Nothing greater. Not just when they're sick, not just when they're accident or in crisis, but pray for them to come to know Christ and to grow in Christ. For God's will to be done for salvation and for God's work to be done, which is ministry to be done in their lives. And so Jesus prayed specifically for those whom God had given him. I want to encourage you to pray for the people that God's given you. Your children, the people that are around you, I want to begin for you to pray for someone that you can invest in in their lives. You know, I believe <coughs> that many of us kind of reach a, a plateau in our spiritual lives because for many, it's all about us. We're pouring into ourselves. We're just receiving and receiving. And as long as we are doing that and it never flows out, we can plateau easily and get stuck there. And maybe what you need to do is begin to think outside of yourself, who do I need to pour into Two things we've learned about making disciples so far in this study is that first of all, it must be relational, and secondly, it has to be intentional, that we have to have a relationship that, with a person that we get to know, we care about them, and we spend time with them, and then we plan, and we're purposeful. And whenever we do that, what we discover is that prayer and investing and discipleship becomes transformational. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. Parents, your primary disciples are your children. If God's given you a child, God says, this is my gift to you. Please see them in that way, but invest in your children. Pour into them. Spend time with them when, they're influ when you're influential, especially whenever they're small. And so I ask you, are you praying for your children? Are you praying for their safety, of course, but also are you praying that God would do something great in their lives, that, you, they, that God would give them a vision for their life? that God would give them a mate at some point, even when they're small. For many years, we prayed for our kids and their, their future and their mates, spouses. That's so important. Beyond that, are you praying for the people in your sphere of influence, the people who are in your small group, the people that are in your circle of friends, the people that you serve with? If you don't have any of those people in your life yet, you need to find those people. You need to get connected with some people that can pray for you and that you can pray for them as well. See, Jesus emphasized prayer throughout his entire ministry. And he taught us not only how to pray, but he also taught us how to pray for other people. In Luke chapter 11, here's what it says. Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you, any, give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who's asked receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, I don't know if you recognize this scripture. Maybe it's uh, kind of, maybe not as familiar to you some, but this comes right after Jesus gives us the Lord's Prayer. This is the bottle prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He gives us that example as to how we should pray, but then he gives an example about how to be persistent in prayer. 
that we shouldn't just pray one time. Have you ever prayed one time for something and it didn't happen and you gave up because you thought, well, maybe God didn't want me to have that or, or maybe God can't do that in my life? It tells us to be persistent. There's several things in this little parable that I think are, are helpful to us to understand what prayer is about, praying for others. And the first thing is that prayer is always going to inconvenience you. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but, but prayer can be an inconvenience. Jesus said, suppose you have a friend who comes to your house at midnight and wants food. You got any friends like that that show up in your house, you know, that, that need something all the time? You know, in that day, they didn't go to bed at 11 o'clock or, or midnight. That might not be unusual for you, but that day they went to bed at dark. So we're talking middle of the night. Somebody shows up in your house, and they're wanting food. And, and that's an inconvenience, isn't it? But it's even more of an inconvenience because in this case, Jesus said, you don't have any food either. And you might say, well, surely we could scratch up some peanut butter and jelly or something for somebody. But, but you know what? In that day, it was a different world. They worked all day to get their food, and they ate that night, and the next day they had to do the same thing. And so it would be normal not to have any food in your house. And so here someone comes to your house, inconvenience you. You got to go and inconvenience somebody else because you're going to another friend and you're waking them up. You know what I've discovered about prayer, that if you're going to pray for people, it's always going to cost you some time. It's always going to make you a little bit, it's going to interrupt something. I've never had a time when I was in the middle of prayer and somebody called me and said, will you pray for me? And I say, sure, I got an hour in front of me. I had nothing else planned, but I would just, I would love to pray for you right now. It never happens that way. It's always in the middle of something. It's always inconvenience. It's always going to interrupt something that you got going on. Have you ever woken up in the middle of the night and, and know you needed to pray? Struggled with that, not being able to go back to sleep. You're worried about being able to have energy, you know, and be rested for the day. It's inconvenience. Prayer will inconvenience you. But you have to be available to God. It's part of being a disciple to help others is praying for others. Here's the second thing I think I see about this is that prayer is basically just caring for people. It's really just caring for people. This friend of yours has shown up unexpectedly, inconsiderately maybe, but they're hungry. Now, you know what? You could have ignored them. You know, I, some, we were laughing the other day. You know, when I was a kid, when the doorbell rang, everybody ran to the door to see who it was. Today, when the doorbell rings, nobody goes to the door. You ever notice that? You know, you just don't answer the door. Uh, some of you are embarrassed um, about but that's how it is, right? Well, you could have just said, oh, I, I don't even hear that. I don't want to get up. Or you could have said, you know, I'm in bed. Uh, we're not getting everybody up. Here's the other thing. In, in that day, they had a, a big sleeping room. So most people would kind of sleep all in one room. So when one person got up, everybody got up. You know, the, the homeowner would probably be in the middle and all the you know, the kids and servants might be sleeping around. So it was a, it was a big deal to get up in the middle of the night. And so, you know, it, it was a, you could have said that. I don't want to get up. I'm not going to do that. I don't have any food either. Go somewhere else. Go away. But you know what? If you're a child of God and you have his heart, you care for people. And when a need arises, there's something in you that raises up as well. And you want to do something, don't you? You want to help that person out. You know, what I think is, is sad is that many times we think the only thing I can do is pray or the last thing we do is pray when that ought to be the greatest thing, the most important, the first thing that we do is pray because prayer primarily is just showing that we care about somebody and you can't turn that need away. 
that person has likely come to you because they knew that you cared about them and that you can, and they can trust you to help them. So prayer is helping people. Here's the other thing I learned <clears throat> is that prayer kind of acknowledges that we don't have anything ourselves. We have nothing. I think many times that prayer is humbling to us because we have to admit, I don't have anything. I can't help you. I don't know what to do. You ever just have that sense of helplessness? Somebody calls or somebody comes and, and they're hurting and they're broken and you don't know the words to say. You can't think of the right thing. You can't fix their problem. And it's very humbling. You say, I don't have anything, but I know somebody who does. I know somebody who does. Have you ever been in a place when you didn't know what to say or what to do, but you knew that that person just needed God? And you can't solve their problems. You can't meet their needs, but you know what to do with it. And to be honest with you, that's a great place to be. It really is. The Bible says in James 4 that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. When we're humble enough to say, God, I don't know what to do with this. I'm going to lift this to you and ask you to, to help them out. You humbly take their need to the one who has unlimited resources, who can fix their problem. And here's the next thing. Persistent prayer is essential for God to move. Persistent prayer is essential. Your second friend, you know, the one you went and woke up, the one that is wondering if you're really a good friend after all at this point, that one's in bed. He says, we're not, we're not, we're all in bed. You know, he's just bold. He doesn't get up at first. He says, we're all in bed. We're not getting everybody up to help. Uh, worry about tomorrow. First response is no, but you keep knocking. Why? Because the need's important, because you care, because you know they have help, they have resources. And here's what Jesus said. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. That second friend is God. I hope you see that in the parable. That you can be a friend of God and God may not answer your prayer immediately, but because of your persistence, he will get up and give you what you're asking for. That God knows everybody's need and God could meet it, but God wants us to be persistent in prayer. How serious are you about this? Is this a passing, you know, you're kind of doing this because you feel guilty? Or are you serious about taking this person to God? See, God's looking for people who will partner with him in prayer, who will stick in there with him. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. There's three times the promise is made, the same thing. If you seek, God will answer. Be faithful in your prayer and don't take that promise lightly. But there was a phrase that kind of jumped out at me in this, and that was that phrase, shameless audacity. What a strange couple of words to throw in about God and, and about us. Our shameless audacity. And I have to admit, I don't, didn't really know totally what the word audacity meant. I had an idea. So I looked it up, and it says a willingness to take bold risks, to take a bold risk that you're going next door to this friend of yours who is so much greater than you. You, you see him as a king, but you would knock on the king's door. You would disturb the king and all of his household at one time because you have no shame, because you're so bold and you're so willing to help somebody else that you have the shameless audacity. You have a friend on one side and a friend on the other side. And this friend has nothing and this friend has everything. And you're willing to bridge the gap between them, to reach from one to the other. 
Because all of us have people in our life who are in need, and we have access to what they need. They don't. They don't know who your friend who is who has it all. But they're at your door, and you either turn them away, or you can take them to God for help. It's as simple as that. And I hope you see the power in that, because we want to pour into the life of people. Yes, we want to, to invest in our children. We want to teach them. We want to teach them the Bible. We want to teach them principles. We want to take people that are, that, that are younger believers than us, and we want to encourage them. But you know what the greatest thing we can do is pray for them. Just pray for them. If Jesus thought it was strong, important enough to pray for his disciples, then it's time that we understand the power of prayer and our influence as well. Now, what should we, who should we be praying for? Well, everybody. We shouldn't limit our prayers, obviously, but family and friends, church leaders, enemies. Best way I know to get a, make a, a friend out of an enemy is to pray for them. But pray especially for those that we're discipling. Pray for our children. Pray for other believers. Pray for someone to disciple or someone to disciple you. And let me just say this again. So many of us who've been Christians for many years, we're still looking for someone to disciple us. And there's nothing wrong with that. If there's someone that, that can invest in you on a limited basis, but, but don't focus all your attention on getting poured into when you ought to be pouring out of yourself into other people. You pray for someone to disciple. A few weeks ago when we began this series, I think it was the first Sunday, there were two ladies in our second service. I don't think they would mind me telling you this. One of them was Rebecca Darby. Rebecca is a young believer, a young mom who's come to uh, our church through Mops Ministry, Mothers of Preschooler. And Rebecca had, uh, had made a decision to follow Jesus. In fact, she was baptized the next week by her grandfather. It was two weeks ago today, I believe, that she was baptized. But Rebecca told me, I was sitting in the service, and I was thinking, I want someone to, dis to disciple me, somebody to just pour into my life. In that same service was uh, an older Christian, uh, Sherry Carr. And Sherry has discipled and mentored people in the past, and Sherry was praying, God, who do you want me to invest my life into? And obviously, by the power of God, those two came together, much because of relationship and connection as they both work with mops. But the reality is that God brought them together. One was praying, who to disciple me? Who do I disciple? And God worked it out. That's a beautiful thing. If you're looking for someone to disciple you, we will try to help you do that. If it's organic and it just happens naturally, it's great. But I would encourage you to begin to seek that because that's how we grow spiritually. What do we pray for? We pray for salvation, which is the will of God, that none would perish but all would come to repentance. We pray for healing in people's life. We pray for spiritual growth for the Holy Spirit to come in their life and move, for unity, for a spirit of wisdom and understanding and love. We pray for the gospel to be advanced and God to be glorified. Those are simple things that we can pray into the life, our children, the people around us. Remember, be relational. Pray for the people that you are connected to and ask God for more people and more influence. Nothing wrong with that. God, give me influence in people's life. Give me opportunity to lead people. Pray personally and connect with them. Be intentional. Schedule your prayer time. Schedule your prayer time. We schedule everything else that's important to us. I think many people will desire to pray, but very few people plan to pray. And like I said a few moments ago, we don't just cut off big blocks of time typically for our prayer time. It's going to inconvenience us some. We don't have any extra time in our life. We use it all. But we need to make time for the things that are important in our life. 
Let me give you an example. Let's say you have a job. And on your job, that should be moderately important to you to have some time for that, right? You don't tell your boss, hey, I don't want to schedule. I'll just show up when I get there and I'll do my job, right? And you know what your boss is going to say? Don't bother. I'll get somebody that, that it's a priority to. Let's say you're dating somebody and you just tell her, you know, I care about you, but I don't really, I don't really want to plan a, a date time. How about if we just see if we show up at the same place at the same time? We'll spend some time together. You're not going to be dating very long, right? The things that are important to us, we want to, we have to reserve time for. It's a priority. And the reality is that, that many times we only treat God that way because our time with God is, is not that important to us. God deserves and demands to be first in our life. So carve out the time out of something else. And you and I know we got plenty of time to carve. We have plenty of time to do that, that we waste. Uh, it might be out of your schedule uh, when you sleep, wake up early. It might be turn off the TV, get off the internet, whatever it may be. But, but be intentional about that time and make a list of people to pray for and things to pray for. I don't know about you, but I tell people frequently, I will pray for you. And I want to make sure that I do that. So most of the time, I will pray at the moment. Let's just pray right now on the phone, you know, wherever we are. Let's just pray. But also make a list of those things so that when you tell somebody, I'm going to pray for you, you actually do that. And pray for the people that you have influence over, that you can help them understand a deeper walk of relationship with God. Guys, here, here at the church, we are just becoming more and more aware of how important prayer is. And one thing that we do, and we've shared this before, but every uh, first and third Saturday at 9 o'clock, we have Saturday prayer. And you know what? That's inconvenience. I I'll tell you it is. There's plenty of things that happen on Saturday morning, things, things that come up, you know, and me sometimes. I'm like, oh, I don't want to go, you know, but I always get a blessing. We go from 9 to 10, that's it. It's always inconvenient, but it's always a blessing. And I would encourage you, if you know that you need to be more intentional in that, show up first and third, Saturday mornings, 9 o'clock, pray together for an hour. It'll change your weekend, I promise you. But whether you do that or whether it's at home, personal, make some time for prayer. Jesus said, I pray for those, God, that you have given me. And I want to encourage you to pray into the lives of your family, into the lives of the people around you, that you can change their life. Pray for the work of God, for ministry to happen, but pray primarily for the will of God, for their salvation. This morning, I'm going to wrap up, and I'm going to have a time of prayer to just to pray for those two things, for you. I want to pray for you in that, and maybe you need to be praying for the, the, the life of somebody else that's around you, that they would grow in their walk with Christ. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just come this morning, and Lord, I feel in a way that you've given us, these people who are here today, Father, people who have come this morning to worship you in this place, and God, um, because you've given them to us as a church, to me as a pastor, I want to pray for them, Lord. I want to pray, first of all, for the will of God in their life, that and there would not be anyone in this room who did not know Jesus, or Father, if there are, that they would not leave before they come to know Christ and have a conversation about him. God, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for giving us Jesus into our life to save us and change our life. And God, I pray that, 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 that everywhere, everyone would know him. But Lord, I also pray for those who are yours already, those who have given their life to Christ. Father, for some of us who are just going through the motions, some of us who, who have put our spiritual life on a, on a place that it's, it's the habit, it's not a vibrant relationship. 
Lord, I pray that you would move us into an exciting journey with you. We might move closer. We would know incrementally that we're, we're closer to you today than we were yesterday and the day before. God, you would help us together. We all need each other. Help us to encourage one another. Pray for one another. Reveal and speak your truth to one another. God, so that we can all grow in our walk, please you, glorify you, and make more disciples who in turn will make disciples for your glory and your honor. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.